a lot of the time we have to ask ourselves the question, what is faith? We really don't give ourselves the time to really ponder about what faith does and what faith is for us in our life. Sometimes we think and claim faith to be this philosophical thought process we do and it has no impact or whatever because it allows me to run and explain every single aspect of life. Okay, it explains how the world was created. It explains all the problem in the world. Cool. That, that's just it. Faith, therefore, that it could become a group, of organ, a group of rules and regulation one has to follow. Because if I don't do X, Y, and Z things, I will be punished by God, I will be hated by God, and not left alone. Faith can become just some, this thing that I do to appease God, but has no impact whatsoever to my life. We come to this understanding today because in the parable we are given in the gospel reading today, we hear about the seed that is being sown. That seed that is being sown is the seed of faith. What differs is the soil in which it's being planted on, and that soil is us. We don't begin to understand the impact of faith within our lives until these categories hit our lives and then we begin to ask the difficult questions of what is faith. I'm going to take this out of order a little bit to help illustrate the point. Where the seed is sown in thorns. These thorns that come about are the things of this world. What the thorn does, it doesn't directly kill the seed, but instead the thorn pokes the seed out of life. So what are these thorns of the world that poke us, that takes life out of us? It's the simple things of power, pleasure, prestige, wealth, recognition. We think that these things are great and all, but if we really look at it carefully, we see how it begins to take life out of us. If we begin to chase after the things of this world, where is our life oriented towards? If I'm chasing after the next latest and greatest phone, what is my life made of? I'm constantly working to pursue that next greatest phone. I forget about friends, I forget about family, and the most important thing in my life becomes the gaining of wealth so that I can gain something. But as soon as that new thing is in my possession, how much life do we really get out of it? What is it really doing to enhance our life? In some sense, as soon as you get bored of it within the next 24, 48 hours, maybe 72 days, you're done with it. Then you're waiting for the next latest and greatest thing. Put the phone aside. Let's look at money then. If I'm constantly pursuing money, for every dollar, everything I get, what is hoarding a thousand dollar really going to do for you? You put a thousand dollars in your bank account and it just sits there. But you forget to lose sight of what that dollar was meant to do and what that money was meant for. It is a gift from God for us to build, to take care, and to nourish ourselves, to ensure that we have a place to stay a healthy place to live, to grow, to educate ourselves. 
That is what money is for. But instead, we begin to hoard all this money, and then you see all these millionaires with millions of dollars doing what? They're just zeros sitting in a bank account. To do what? When you die, you lose all of it. So those are the thorns, the things of this world that choke us out of life because we're not fully living. We're not fully being the person we're called and meant to be. We're not truly thriving. But we're chasing after our tails constantly over and over and over day by day. The other one we hear today is the rocky ground. If we look at rocky ground, we know there's only inches or maybe even centimeters worth of soil in the rocky ground. The seed of faith is planted. It grows. But what happens? When the sun is hot enough, it kills the plant. That image illustrates for us our own faith life. If our faith is shallow and nothing much except for the fact that I'm here to please God, I'm here to do what my parents have asked me, I'm here to check off things off this list so my parents can leave me alone or for God to leave me alone, our faith life will then be scorched when we hit trauma, when we hit difficulties in life. Some, some, uh, uh, four or five summers ago, I was up out in Wichita Falls at the regional hospital. And as I was helping at the parish, the pastor said, hey, we need to go to the hospital now. It's an emergency. It's urgent. And so I'm thinking to myself, I'm setting up for VBS. There can't be anything that urgent. And as we were walking down the hallway into the regional hospital, I hear this man screaming and crying. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is serious. This is a little crazy. So I'm kind of prepping myself and keeping calm. And I walk into this room and I see this older woman on the bed, hooked up to all the machines and on ventilators, on life support, really. And I see her son over, weeping over her, crying and yelling, why God, why? And as I'm kind of taking in this whole situation, the pastor I'm with comes up to the, the, the son and says, what's, what's going on? And I see him crying and weeping and sharing his story. His family just returned home from a vacation in Florida. And he walked in to see his mom laying on the floor, passed out. Didn't know what happened, brought her to the hospital and come to find out she had a stroke and that's why she was on the floor. And the hospitals hooked her up on all these machines and said, if you, maybe, if you brought her in about five minutes earlier, we could have saved her, we could have done something for her. But right now she's hooked up to all these machines and this is the only thing that's keeping her alive. And so he's complaining to us and complaining in this, this way of, if I was there, if I was five minutes earlier, if I didn't go on vacation, if I didn't do this, God wouldn't have punished me. God wouldn't have done this to my mother and I wouldn't be in this predicament. And he constantly goes back to the question, why God, why, why did you do this to me? His faith at that moment was being challenged. His faith at that moment was so shallow that he couldn't understand why this has happened. 
He blamed God for the fact that God was punishing him for going on vacation. If he was just five minutes early, he could have saved his mother. But instead, now she's laying on a hospital bed, lifeless, connected to all these machines. But if you listen to this story, you can agree with the man and the patient. Yeah, God is punishing him. Yes, God is doing these things to him. Why is God so mean? Why is God such an angry God? Why would God do this to his own people? But God doesn't punish us. He wasn't punishing the man. He wasn't punishing him by taking his mother away from him. That was the situation that occurred. The question is not why did God punish him, but the question is what is God asking more of us at that moment? And it goes back to the answer, faith. Do you have faith in me? In the most trying and tribulation, in the most difficult part of your life, when someone that you love the most is now on the hospital bed lifeless, do you trust me? Do you have faith in me? Do you believe that there is eternal life? You will see your loved one in heaven. Or are you going to point your finger at me and say, it's my fault? The easiest thing that we can do as human beings is blame God for all of it. It's you, God. You're the big man upstairs. You fix it. That is the rocky ground. That is the shallowness of our faith. But that is why our faith then begins to crumble in those moments of trial and tribulation. And that is where so many people live their life of faith. And that is the reason why our churches are becoming empty now. Because our faith is nothing more than this checklist we have. It's all God's fault. It's not my fault. It's not an extension and invitation of faith. And then we have the last thing. Where it's just thrown on ground. There's no soil for it to grow. It gets dusted off by the wind and it gets eaten by the birds. Where faith is nothing. Where faith means nothing to the person. No one cares to have faith. But yet what is interesting is that's not the only three categories we get. There is another option. That other option is to bear fruit and multiply 30, 60, 100 fold. So what differs between those three categories and this multiplication in multiplication? It is faith. Faith is not just these words that we speak of. Faith is not just these concepts we say, God is love or God is X, Y, and Z things. It's not a philosophy. It's not just a thought process. But faith is a way of life. A way of life in which we take in the word of God and transforms and changes us and who we are as human beings. Then the invitation for us to then go out into the world and live it out radically. To put it very simply, we sit here in the church and we come to understand and know God is love. And how everyone is created in the image and likeness of God. But what happens? As soon as we leave the church doors and goes into the parking lot, all that is gone. 
We start yelling and screaming at each other. We start honking our horns at each other because we got cut off by someone in the parking lot. So how is that living faith? And that's just the simple illustration of what faith is lived out in its fullest. St. Irenaeus says, the glory of God is man fully alive. Man is fully alive when faith is lived out so vibrantly that their life has changed forever and radically different from that of the world. Pick your favorite sports, sports guy. Pick your favorite millionaire. Are they truly happy? Now pick a person that is happy. Two of my favorite people I always look to is John Paul II and Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Or I'll throw it even in there. St. Francis of Assisi. How are those three people radically happy? St. Francis of Assisi. Rich. He inherited richness from his parents. He had wealth. He had everything he could possibly ask for. He wasn't happy. He gave all of it away to the poor and lived with the poor. And that was only when he was happy. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, how is dedicating your life, working for the poorest of the poor in India, really bringing happiness? I don't know about you, but these last couple of days with the 105 weather working outside, <laughs> that was miserable. But she does that every day. How can you find happiness working in this miserable condition with the poorest of the poor if it's not for faith? John Paul II, working in the midst of communist Poland, still working to dedicate his life as a priest, even when formal seminary was shut down and religion was kind of tampered and kept, kept quiet. Why would someone go to work in the steel meal, come home, go to the seminary and study, and all these extra things in life. I, if, honestly, it's like if, if it, one door closes, then I wouldn't bother. Why would you do extra work? Why is taking on extra things good for you? If I can't go to seminary, I'm not going to go to seminary. If I can't get this job at the store, then I don't work. That's the easy thing, right? But what kept him going to work still constantly, to pursue his formal edu seminary education, to continue to serve the people and work side by side with them as a priest? It's because of faith. Those three people live their faith radically different. And those three people, their fruits have been multiplied 30 60 a hundredfold as a child i've always looked up to saint john paul ii as someone i wanted to be like to model my life after and follow him and especially now as a priest but as i was growing up 2005 was the worst year possible for those who may know 2005 was the year in which john paul ii passed away and as I was watching his funeral, I was mad at God because my whole hopes and dreams was to be able to stand and, and see John Paul II in person and just to shake his hand. 
But now the only time and moment I'll get to do that is when I see him in heaven. That was 2005. This is 2023. His fruits still bear fruit today. So my dear brothers and sisters, faith is not just this thought concept we have. Faith is just not this thing that we, we hold together as ordered, ordered religion. Faith is not just these checklists of things that we check off to please God, to appease God, and to make my parents happy. But faith is the glory of God where man is fully alive. Faith is living out that in a radical way and responding to God's love every day and every moment of our life through our words, our actions, and our deeds. So as we prepare to enter into the sacrament of love, prepare to come to the altar of sacrifice, let us look at our own lives and see where our faith is at, where the soil of our life is at, and what do we have to do today and at this moment to cultivate, to nourish, to change that soil of our life so that the fruits of our faith that we're going to participate, going to take part of in a little bit, doesn't just sit on rocky ground but is planted in good and firm and healthy soil so that as soon as we leave this church, we leave radically different. We leave as someone new and share that newness of life to those around us in the world. But it begins now. So let us take this time to reflect, to prepare ourselves so that when we come to receive the seed of faith in the Eucharist, we can say with confidence, Amen, I believe, I assent to this love, and I'm going to nourish it with all my heart. Amen.